0: You're listening to High, High Radio, Radio, Radio
1: with Miss Amber.
0: Let me explain that. Coming to you live from Amsterdam. And when it comes to Africa on Focus, is that piece of education on every Sunday. I talk to Africans who are doing the most and with that i mean they are uh, making an impact they are changing the way we think they are um are being our role models you know so uh, every sunday i have somebody on the show who is doing just that to talk to to kind of pick their brain on how their journey has come to uh this point and of course uh, how they can help us to achieve success now, there's one, I think we put him through like hell and back, <laughs> coming here, <laughs> uh, being on the train and uh, doing all that he does to find this location. Uh, but he is finally here here at the studio. And I know that a lot of you people uh, know him. But uh, for those of you who might not know him yet, there is still uh, much to learn about uh, this African. And he is a journalist. He's a writer. I know him to be one of like the sweetest person around who is doing so much for uh, the African community? Uh, really focusing on changing the way we think, and you know, using our stories, our journey as to coming here, whether that be as an immigrant or whether that be as a refugee or whatever. He's kind of using that story one to make money and to write books. That's number one. <laughs> and uh, number two is uh, to also help us change the way we think, as in not being at a position where you murmur and complain and where you sit and be like, you know, I'm the victim of society. Uh, People will pick on me and don't like me because of my color, but rather take the opportunity to interact, to uh, um, engage in conversation with the local people, whether that be a UK, a Holland, a US, uh, that being outside of our continent. Engage with them, talk to them and rather uh, show them how you want to be a part of their society. And at the same time, uh, keeping your own identity And not losing your mind. (laughs) I have him here with me without further ado. And he goes by the name of Babatara Tarawali. Thanks so much for being here on the show.
1: Thank you, my dear. Thank you for this wonderful introduction. Really great to hear you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for coming. And uh, I know you came from a small trip. Yep. So you're all fresh back. Uh, The weather is not... (laughs) No, it's not, it's not...
1: It's not what I left back home. So, I hope the sun will follow suit.
0: I know, right? Yeah. We definitely need that. Yep. How was your Sunday? Could you tell us a bit about, like, how, how did your day go?
1: Oh, my day was very quiet. And um, Sunday is a day of relaxing, you know, chilling. Yeah. Just on the couch and then uh, have the yeah. domestic work done. Clean your house and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and get ready for, for tomorrow. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Start of the week. Yep. Yep.
0: And it's Mother's Day. How how How... Did you do anything relating that, uh, to that?
1: Oh, my God. I, I sent um, this uh, song, Sweet Mother, you know? Yeah. I sent to my mom, telling her this is Mother's Day. <laughs> she don't really understand what is Mother's Day. Means. I, <laughs>
0: I'm
1: your mother every day. So, why do you have to send me Mother's Day just once a year? It's right. every mother day, Mother's so, uh, Day. But um, I spoke to her before I came, and uh, she's doing very well. So happy.
0: Oh, that's yeah. good to hear. That's always good to hear um, your mom's voice, yep. kind of. And I always say this, like, everyone's mom is the best mom around. Really? <laughs> there is no debate about that. If no. that's not the case for you, then something went wrong. Precisely. <laughs> Precisely. Well, great to have you on the show. Um, obviously, I know you for, like, for such a long time. I know the remarkable work that you do as a writer, as a journalist. Now, I know you as a writer and a journalist, but um, coming from you in your own words, how would uh, the best descript- description of yourself, uh, how would that be? Wow, wow, wow. <laughs>
1: it's difficult. Um, I'm a, I'm a jack of all trade. Actually, master of none. <laughs> <laughs> I do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I describe myself as um, an independent press activist. Right. And that has to do with the fact that, um, uh, yeah, I let my voice be heard. when it comes to injustice and when it comes to yeah not doing the right thing and i think yeah i need to let my voice be heard because Mm -hmm. if you don't let your voice heard then uh, you have to stand for something absolutely if you don't stand for something you stand for everything
0: that's true definitely i definitely uh agree with that and you you have a wonderful story um because people know your journey you know you came here from Sierra Leone as a as a refugee. I remember one uh, bit of your stories is that you ended up way up north in the country mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> in yeah. like an uh, a asylum center yeah. and um, people obviously pointing fingers at you like hey you're a refugee and, and all of that um how was your experience with letting your voice be being heard how how did that go how was how was the journey how did you go from hey I must have my voice i have i have something to say how can i have people to hear what i have to say how did that go
1: well um you know let's be let's face the fact when you leave your country you are no more the same person you change yeah and that perception we have to accept that that when you leave a to b you will never come back to a like you were before and you will never be b so i always say i'm in between a and b (laughs) A is Sierra Leone, B is here where I am, and I'm in between because it's difficult. And I have to accept that making that journey, that choice, I need to accept the consequences that I will never, never feel 100% at home here. And back home, I will never be 100% home. So that realization helps me to be very realistic. So, talking about me coming here and uh, being in the Asylum Center and uh, going to drafting somewhere in, in the north. Right. Yeah, we were the first refugees that came to the to the to, to, to that the, area to the center, to the refugee oh, wow. center. So, just like we are, they, they didn't know what they what, what, what they saw with their eyes, you know. <laughs> and when we walk as black people, we walk in groups. You know? Yeah, we do. Yeah, because we are stronger. <laughs> <laughs> We. Absolutely, <laughs> so, we are. Yeah, so We're <laughs> stronger when when you work in groups, you are stronger. So, and when you meet Dutch people who are more to themselves, individual,
0: individual, yes, which is very remarkable within the culture here. Precisely, individualism.
1: Yeah, individualism. So when you when they see you, they get threatened because <laughs> they see you guys in group five six men, you no know, walking, <laughs> then as if we well, have come to take over their, their, their city. Yeah, you know. So it was a bit um, of a. Of a fight because they were demonstrating against us. We should not be there. But at a certain time, we started depression of trauma of war and problems. Yeah, will not help me. So I need to give space in my head to have new stories. And those stories were possible through interacting with the local people. So I went to play football, you know, volleyball. Yeah, and uh, yeah, go out party with them. So, you did? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did, I did. <laughs> So,
0: was that still in groups or was that you by yourself?
1: Oh, we, <laughs> we're in groups most of the time. But, for example, like when we come to the disco in the drag team, when we come with a group, they will reject us. Oh, wow. Yes, when we come four or five men, they will never allow us to go in. So, I told my friends, I said, you know what? When we come, we'll share ourselves. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll, not, we'll not go in groups, we'll go one by one. So, we'll be hanging around and then we send somebody and the person enters. Wow, he's in, and the next person will go. And the next person, and before you know, all of us are in. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's where I thought, wow, they are afraid of the we. You know, and because, and I can understand, because if we have a problem, then we are stronger. And it's difficult for them to to get us out when we're in group. So I get to understand why they didn't allow that.
0: Why it would seem as a threat. As
1: a threat, as a threat. Got it. Yep, yep.
0: That is crazy. So you even had to kind of be, have a strategy yeah, a <laughs> towards strategy. literally integrating yep. and yep. getting to know people, yep. uh, within your environment. So could you tell us like, what, what time frame was this? When did this start? What time period was this when you were in the asylum center? Yep and finally getting to the point of getting to know people outside of it
1: yeah it was long ago it was in the 90s yeah in the 90s the end oh of, wow end of the 90s, <laughs> 1997 okay 98 99 so it was a time when we didn't have social media yeah we didn't have uh, facebook linkedin twitter they didn't exist so when you face me you face me <laughs> offline
0: <laughs> right if you
1: don't like me you tell me in my face yeah and not behind your computers mm-hmm. and writing nonsense, writing things against <laughs> everybody. Writing you know,
0: things that are just offensive, yeah. which you wouldn't be able to say in person.
1: Precisely. So uh, offline, it helps to really know who who don't like you. Yeah. But now it's difficult to see who don't like you because the person who is writing all those things on Facebook or social media, in reality, the person will be very nice to you in real yeah. life.
0: Absolutely. Or even think that you are a nice person. Yeah. But just...
1: Yeah. Yeah. And in, in those days, what they would say to me, Baba, you are different.
0: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much what we all hear. Yeah,
1: but you are different. Because what I did, I, I started getting in touch with local people, and true, to be honest,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was born a Muslim, but I went to the church.
0: Okay, that's good. And because <laughs> of going to the church, yeah,
1: I got to meet people who really know my story, who really understand you know, the plight I was going through. Yeah. and these people they really helped me to, understa- to understand the Dutch culture they really taught me to be you know, to come up for myself because yeah. one of the things we might say and it's perhaps to come at the end of the program when I yeah. know and is that you know when we come from the we society mm-hmm. the collective mm-hmm. yeah. you know, sometimes we do forget ourselves as individual. Mm-hmm. so what they taught me in Holland is also don't forget yourself build yourself first as individual when you are stronger enough then you can think of the we. All right. Which was very weird for me to think. You know? To yeah. take that step. To see because everything is about you. They never ask you. Like in Africa, you know when we meet our family, we ask for everybody. How is Uncle Joe? How is Auntie Memuna doing? How is this person doing? Everybody. Yeah. You ask for everybody. Mm-hmm. Here, they only ask about you. How are you doing?
0: Yeah. It's true. It's true. How are you feeling? How are you what feeling? Is, what's going through your head? What's yeah. going through your mind? What do
1: you th- you, need, you know? You. It's about you. You and you. Yeah. So, that whole switch from the we thinking to, to the I thinking was mm-hmm. a bit weird for me. But I need to have it. I need to to strengthen myself as the I. Yeah. And then I can give back to the we.
0: So, how was uh, adapting that type of mindset? How did that go? Was it easy? Was it challenging? Or did you did you say no? This is not for me.
1: Well, well, I thought, you know. There is, uh, there is a, a proverb in my language, in my tribe, the Madingo, we say, when you go to a country where people walk on one leg,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you have to copy them for that moment, mm-hmm. walk on one leg and not try to walk on two legs and mm-hmm. tell them that they are dumb. Right. You know? So mm-hmm. I think that whole wisdom helps me helps me to really think, okay, Baba, you are here, you want to really adjust to the society, at least try to understand yeah. how the people work, how their mindset is. And when you get that, you can always come back to yourself and say, this is what I want, but I know how you guys think, but I choose to be this. Yeah. But you cannot choose to be this when you don't know Right. how the majority thinks and, and what, the, what are their expectations.
0: <laughs>
1: so that mindset is a gradual process. You, you go through it, call it hypocrisy, but yeah. you need to learn to know what the people that received you. You need to know, you know, what they think.
0: What they think, yeah. And I always
1: say when you want uh, to, when you accept me, mm-hmm. also you should, be ready, you should be ready to share the space. Because if you accept me in your house and you don't share the space with me, mm-hmm. that means I will never be welcome.
0: True. You
1: know? I think that's what most of us find difficult, you know, to, to get adjust, you know. Because you can't coming. come in. And then I come in and you say, no, well, you can't walk like that. Mm -hmm. You can't eat like that.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So it's both sides. And uh, so, and I I made them know that they should give me the space. And I will also give some part of me. It's about giving and taking.
0: Yeah. I like that. I like that. So you kind of invited them to who you are and also challenged them to think differently while you did the same. Precisely. I like that. So take us a bit back to where you're from in Sierra Leone. We Ghanaians, we always have this uh, story. We say we're from this and this village. We're known for being traders, or we're known for this type of people. Could you give me an idea uh, where from Sierra Leone you are? Your place, your people. Could you give us a bit a feel of that?
1: Wow, this is a very interesting question because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like me, I always say I'm not only Sierra Leonean. I'm a West African yeah. because my roots, my tribe. It's almost everywhere in West Africa, mm-hmm. from Mali, the Madingos, are all, all over. So when you ask about my village, uh, I go back to the village of my mom. Because mothers, as we said earlier, you mm-hmm. know, they are the, the roots.
0: Yeah, they are. You know,
1: they are the only ones we know that they are, we came from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You no, know, with the father, you never know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but the mom, you
1: know, you came from there.
0: I got it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And, um, so my mom's village is, uh, in the east of Sierra Leone, Kailahun mm-hmm. And, uh, that's where my grandmother lives, my grandfather. So that's the place I call my home. That's because, really where you're rooted. Yeah, that's my roots, mm-hmm. yeah. my roots. And that's the, that's the whole, that's the place that gave me really made me who I am today.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because it's a small village and, uh, really basic, you know, that's the place that's really people have. They are not dependent on local economy they are not really dependent on the local economy they they, they make everything for themselves all right you know water wells and uh, you know just the simple things and uh, they have their gardens they have their uh, cows sheep goats, chicken running all over so <laughs> we are mixed together with, with nature yeah. and uh, that's where i learned you know you have to take care of yourself yeah because the government don't take care of you
0: i could imagine yeah i could imagine everything is uh self-provided yeah basically whether you need a, a banana yep. uh, coming from the tree comes from the garden yep. everything is um provided from the area from the area basically yeah
1: yeah and, uh, and you you don't depend on government to do things for you so that's the reason why sometimes i get critical when our brothers and sisters you know in, depend on depend government. on government for everything then i just think you know what you know you can't depend on them
0: yeah you know
1: Try to get your things in order and uh, make sure you you fight it out. But <laughs> don't wait for them.
0: Don't wait. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good it's a good valuable lesson that you could really much pass on to any young person. No, yep. you know, yep. um, especially also when it comes to when you wait for perfect conditions or you wait for opportunities to come to you. I think it goes for the same thing that like you is. should actually I start have, to create
1: something yourself. Yeah, I have this story. I'm just back from Sierra Leone, and I have yeah. this my niece who. Who's finished the university? She studied tourism, and uh, you know, and she's telling me she don't have a job. I said, "Look, look, you study tourism, and you don't have a job. And <laughs> seriously, we have the, the best, uh, you know, yeah. uh, beach. We have the the best, you know. We we it's, it's a it's a wonderful country.
0: Yeah.
1: Why don't you sell the country?
0: Yeah.
1: They don't go take pictures of the beach. Take pictures of the mountains, of the nice locations we have.
0: Be a guy.: You post, post a story. them on
1: Instagram, instead of posting yourself every day, <laughs> posting yourself, uh, showing, then you are selling yourself, because it's right. marketable because men are giving <laughs> likes. <laughs> so why don't just change that mindset and do it with the country Instead of sending your own pictures every day, take pictures of the country, then you'll be the expert on the country after two, two three years. You need time. You know? Just an example, you know. So you, you have to fight it out.
0: You have to be, um, be able to invent, uh, and start your own thing. Yep. Basically. Um, we'll, we'll get into that in a bit about, you know, starting something on your own and being an entrepreneur or recognizing opportunities. We're going to talk a bit about that. Uh, but first I want to know, because I know many times you've shared about your story as a refugee so many times, so I don't want to talk about that. People can Google it if they want. (laughs) Um, I would really like to know, uh, your journalist, your writer, How did your journey as a writer come about where did that start and how has it brought you here now interesting (laughs) (laughs) well
1: um i started as a as a letter writer Mm -hmm. i wrote letters for all the people who never went to school when i was back home Mm -hmm. i could remember i was 11 years 12 years you know when i started writing for older people they would ask me baba please write to my son he's Mm -hmm. living in australia and uh, tell him I'm hungry, I don't, I don't have that food. That you
0: write for them? Yeah,
1: they will explain. Oh, wow. Tell him that. Tell him that I, you know? Then I will, I will, I will write it down. Mm-hmm. But what I did, I didn't write it in the first person.
0: All right.
1: I wrote it in the third person. So I will describe him, how he looks. <laughs> you know?
0: Would if, you introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah. Okay. At, the, at the end of
1: the letter, <laughs> I will always write, written by Baba Tarawali. Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> yeah. And that bit... Uh, their sons, daughters, when they receive the letters, and they'll always tell the people, I want Baba to write a letter. Oh. Yes. So they'll come back to me, which, of course, I was not the only one. I have my elder brothers and sisters who are all going to school, but why do they keep on coming to me? Yeah. Because I was not just writing what they say. I mm-hmm. describe the situation. I describe how they look. If you see you're hungry, I describe how your face looks. And yeah. then, You know, how your stomach, the, mm-hmm. the, the pot belly and uh, all these things. Yeah. And, and the food, you know, wearing slippers that is tattered. Yeah. I will describe all these things. And they found it so interesting mm-hmm. that they will always ask me to write this letter. Mm-hmm. Then I, I, I kind of had the feeling that, okay, people are coming back to me. Mm-hmm. Then when the war came, unfortunately, when the war came, the, the civil war. Yeah. Um, the rebels were coming to our city. Yeah. But at that time, I was so afraid that I used to write letters to BBC, Focus on Africa. Mm-hmm. But I will not write my name. But I will describe what is happening during the war. You know, I will give information that the government doesn't want to go outside. Because there was no journalist in my city at that time. So I will write about, for example, new, the mercenaries, the executive outcomes, who we are from South Africa and England, who came, you not know, to help the government. I wrote about it to BBC, mm-hmm. you know, telling yeah. them, uh, this is what is happening in my village, and this is what is happening here. I give information. so the governor was even thinking, who is giving this information out? yeah, not knowing that is this young boy you know who is writing to BBC and they will read my letters. I was so proud that every time I write my letter to BBC Focus on Africa, it will be aired out. yeah they will read them out mm-hmm. and and I, I because few of my friends knew that I was the one writing, and at that time, I decided to think, oh, it's getting a bit dangerous for mm-hmm. me yeah because they will they will come to know that i'm the one doing it yeah of course
0: they will somehow find out
1: yeah they'll find out they'll find out so so how this is how my writing process i then i start to say okay okay at least i'm doing something which is right Mm -hmm. then when i came to holland i used writing to kill the time Mm -hmm. because i was in the asylum center the whole day the only thing we do is watching tom and jerry
0: you know Tom and Jerry I know Tom and Jerry Come <laughs> on That's a classic <laughs> Classic
1: We would sit at the asylum center The whole day Watching Tom and Jerry Oh gosh You eat, sleep And watch Tom and Jerry The whole day So
0: oh, wow. Wasting so, your time So that was a cartoon network
1: The cartoon network Oh gosh It was helping people to, to You know <laughs> Kill the time So I decided You know what Instead of looking at uh, seeing, Watching Tom and Jerry The whole yeah. time Let me start writing my story That's where I started Writing my first book That's when I started mm-hmm. The God with the Blue Eyes you know,
0: yeah,
1: I wrote, that's when I wrote that book,
0: and that was a, a book. Um, because I remember you sharing that the perspective from that was how, um, how Africans mm-hmm. uh, regard their God as somebody who they don't look like, yeah, basically, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: that's why the God with the blue eyes, all the churches in Africa, you have Jesus <laughs> with blue eyes, blonde hair. So I was thinking, okay, but Jesus doesn't, right? It's not from.
0: It's not from Europe. <laughs>
1: You just must look like me.
0: Right. <laughs> Where are the locks? Yeah, yeah. Then, Where's but, the curl? But then I
1: realized that mm-hmm. the, the painter painted Jesus in his own image.
0: In his own, right.
1: You know? And, and he, he is free as an artist to do that. He is. So why don't we tell our own stories? Too?
0: I love that. I love that. So... Okay, so you actually basically writing has been part of you, as you explained, from such an early stage, yep. Yep. writing other people's story in a very interesting way, and also writing about um, maybe traumatizing events in your life. Yep. Um, so how did it get to really publishing a book where you are now called an author, where people purchase it, where people invite you to hear your story? How did it get to that point?
1: Okay, interesting, yep i was writing a lot of stories yeah as i said earlier jack of all trade master of none. so i write a lot of stories and then uh, so i never finish my story yeah and i had my first girlfriend in holland who used to read my stories and she told me one time baba you have such interesting stories she was dutch yes yeah, she was dutch all right she said you had such an interesting story cool. but why don't you write one and finish it Mm-hmm. why you continue just writing all these stories and you don't finish it mm-hmm. so take one and finish it
0: mm-hmm.
1: that was the turning point mm-hmm. that's where the girl with the blue eyes started yeah then i said okay i must finish it mm-hmm. and when i finish it i knew also that there is these fonts uh dutch uh dutch literature fonts they call uh the letter fonts.
0: all right for literature. For literature. Fund they make available for people. Yeah. That want to yeah. publish something. Precisely.
1: And especially for migrants at the time. Who were trying to struggle to write the Dutch. Because my Dutch was not good at yeah. the time. So I was st- struggling to write in Dutch. So they, 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 they said, well, send your manuscript. Mm-hmm. So when I sent it and they were so enthusiastic about it. They let some people read it and they said, wow, this is marvelous. Great. They invited me in Amsterdam. I went there and they said, this book is worth publishing. Oh wow! Yeah, and uh, they will help me with a publisher. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got my publisher, and uh, the publisher was also very, int- very, very, very interested in the book and very enthusiastic. So he said, "Oh, we are going to publish it." I was in Ghana at the time when I got the telephone call.
0: Really? Yeah. <laughs> what were you doing in Ghana? I well, think you told me the story that you I used yeah to and work you know for, places yeah yeah you know you knew some places yeah I remember this. I used to
1: go to Ghana four times a year. When I was working for Free Voice, now they call it Free Press Unlimited. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to be the African officer supporting press freedom. You know, in Africa, so I used to travel a lot, and uh, so I was there working for the Ghana Community Radio Network mm-hmm. (GCRM). Yeah, interesting, and we support all the community radio stations. in Ghana. Yeah. So and then they called me. They said, well, are we are going to publish a book." I jumped with joy. You Love know, it. Then I said, "Wow, it has happened." Love it. Yeah.
0: Ah, I love it. So, um, what I can definitely see is from your journey, all of it comes down for you that you took a bold step, you went out of your comfort zone, you, you stopped, you didn't stop, but you, um, you decreased hanging out in groups (laughs) so that you could be understood. (laughs) You engage with others and, um, also you provided some content of your story boldly sent it to places. I mean, other writers or journalists or whatever could think that, okay, I cannot, you know, pursue a fund or whatever, because my story isn't interesting, Mm -hmm. but you actually dare to send it and have them have something to say about it. Had you not done it, then probably the book would have, would, would not be here. Mm Definitely. <laughs> I love that. I love, there's a lot to learn uh, from this, but since it's mother day, mother's day, I think we should take a few minutes to listen to you, A Nigerian classic, which we talked about earlier. Uh, and that is, you know, sweet mother, of course, uh, let's listen to that one. And then uh, we're going to be back and um, listen to some more about what uh, Baba Raleigh has to say. One of your TEDx talk. I definitely love. We should briefly talk on that. And then obviously also conclude with what you would like to advise for especially Africans to think on when it comes to how can we change our environment? How can we go somewhere, be somebody and all of that? So, uh, but now first we're going to listen to you. Can you believe the song actually takes uh, eight minutes and 45 seconds? We don't even do that anymore. Like even to this day, if you create a song that long, people would just cut it off (laughs) after one minute. (laughs) But it, it's it's a good one, especially themed for this day. And that is Tilda. You should check out that video because that is a classic. Her, from her wig, everything, you will just laugh because this is the type of fashion we used to get into. And some of the fashion I, I see that we have back. We, the, the print, the leopard print stuff. I can see that the jeans and the sneakers. There are a lot of 90s. Where is this track coming from? Is it a seven, 80s or 90s? I don't know. I'll Google it and share it next time. Um, oh, 1976. Hooey! That's really much a classic. <laughs> but anyway, that was uh, for all the mothers out there that are listening that have just tuned in to uh, Africa Unfocused. Focus. quite unusual because we had some uh, technical difficulties earlier, so that's why we are still uh, here. Because I'm talking to Baba Tarawali, who is a renowned Sierra Leonean uh, writer and journalist. We have him here at the show. Uh, all of that uh, within his busy busy schedule he came all the way to high radio studios <laughs> to uh, to talk to us about his um uh, his journey so far um now i've shared the journey of him you know he came to the netherlands and um was in an asylum center uh there on he was listening uh, watching tom and jerry the whole day and thought you know what let me make something of life so he started writing books and now he's a certified <laughs> uh writer uh, um sharing his story. So one thing I would really like to know from you, um, the Dutch audience or Dutch people, the public opinion often share how they're kind of tired of people complaining about their uh, traveling journey to the Netherlands. Uh, Sometimes they're a less fortunate position. Um, what is your, what is your view on this? Do you think that they are right or do you think that, um, we should take the opportunity to do something else with our experiences?
1: Well, it is, um, for me, it is how you tell the story. Right. You know, I don't tell a story as a victim.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I don't tell a story to force people to listen to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I try to write my story and tell my story with humor. Because that is what people in this rush hour, rush time. Need. They need.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You tell a story with humor, people laugh, but then the truth lies in the story. So they, they consume the story without recognizing it. You know, that's my method of writing. That's my method of sharing story. I like humor yeah. because, um, you know, I think I got that from my, from my dad. I have my uncles, they will be, be cursing you and abusing you, but in a, in a very humorous way, laughing, but mm-hmm. the thing is going right into your, into your veins, you know, into your bones. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So wh- I always say when, uh, I cannot give someone else. As the reason for my problems. Yeah. You know, I cannot give you all that. Because when I when I do that, then I'm giving you power mm-hmm. to feel superior. Yeah. You know? Of course, history, we can go back to history and say, but my own mm-hmm. development, my own things, I will never say it's your fault that I'm like this. Yeah. You are you are the reason for that I'm like this. No, I will not do that. So um, telling my story. We'll never be boring. Mm-hmm. We'll never be boring. Perhaps part of, part of me saying that as an arrogant way of saying, listen, I have something to say. Mm-hmm. And we all have something to say. So go, we all. We all have something to say. You know. So it's the method you use. How you say it and how you tell it. Because of course people are tired of hearing. Like, just, just take an example. Uh, you know, even me, I have a problem with that. Uh, watching television about uh, Israel and Palestine. I've been doing that since my birth the problem is still uh, there you know i've been everything so when when i see it on cnn now i just think oh my god again 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 <laughs> so you get at a certain time it is just the same story uh, all the time so mm-hmm. you know i like talking about new things and uh, and and in a different way and not pointing fingers yeah. yeah pointing my finger you are the reason no i don't do that
0: got it you know? So, so far, have you, what is the toughest remark you have had uh, of somebody uh, about your story?
1: Well, one of the difficult things is when somebody deny my experience.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you can
1: tell me, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, like your story. Okay. But if you tell me what you feel is not true, then for me, it's one of the most difficult things to accept. Because if you experience something and you tell me, <laughs> I will not tell you it's not true. It's very abusive, you know. Yeah. So, I used to have that—that that people say, "Well, that experience of yours is not true," or "I don't believe it." Or uh, in, in Dutch, they, they say in Dutch, "Need aanstellen."
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, <laughs> which of
1: course is my experience—you are telling not asked. Yeah.
0: So I feel I feel I feel very bad about that, really. When somebody um, kind of tells like your story is just it didn't happen it or did, it's not it's it, not how it went. No,
1: not, not not even denying how it went. It's more about uh that uh that, that experience you have. Let's just mm-hmm. say example. If if I face racism and then somebody tells me, ah you know
0: <laughs>
1: don't you just over oh, eh? you are you, not overdriver. You know, you are just exaggerating.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, it's painful. It is. You know, it's painful. So and um, and one of the other things I also said earlier is about you know uh If somebody tries to do that, Mm -hmm. the person is doing it out of uh, what I see. The person doesn't have, you know, respect. Not having respect for you. Mm -hmm. You And that's what I find very, very difficult to accept.
0: Yeah. It it is tough because I think it brings you to a point where you kind of tried enough and that's all you could do, you know, to... There's no even room to convince the other person because he the, he's not giving you any room to, um, to, for you to be believable. That's number one. Mm-hmm. And he's not even giving you space to, um, defer to further tell your story. So it's like, what can you do? Yeah, what can you do? Basically. I, I, I could definitely, uh, relate to that. Um, one of the, the things I love about your story, cause I, I watched your TEDx talk, which I oh, I really great. love. Nice. I kind of shared it around. And, um, you also talked about, uh, an Ubuntu approach to life, something you took on for your grandmother. Um, could you share with us what, what does it mean and, uh, how that still helps you to kind of, um, grow your outlook on life?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, you know, Ubuntu is, is, a, is the African philosophy mm-hmm. that says I am because you are,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I can only be a human being through other human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, And um, if somebody doesn't see you as a human being, then that person sees you as a beast.
0: Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. Literally, yeah. That's, that's how it is. So, it is true, though. It is true.
1: So you have to see somebody as a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, we were enslaved because at a certain point, they didn't see us as human beings. True. That's when slavery started. Yeah. When the whole narrative was changed that these people are not human beings.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know?
1: And when white people came to Africa, we saw them as human beings. Yeah. That's why we accepted them <laughs> yeah. to come in and interact with us. That has been our problem also. <laughs> why they take, they take us you know, <laughs> as slaves at the, at the end. Absolutely. Because we saw these white people who came as human beings. But that is what Ubuntu is about. Mm. See each other as human beings. And um, also, not only humans, but the nature, you know, the environment, mm-hmm.
0: the
1: animals. They are all part of that humanism,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. So that is what Ubuntu taught me, and uh, I I, I study philosophy. Mm-hmm. So, but I was more when I was doing philosophy, I was more learning about white philosophers, and Western philosophers, how they thought about Africa. So sometimes it was so painful, you know. Yeah. And then I I met a friend who was more into this Ubuntu philosophy, and she told me, "Baba, why not?" come to our conference and then listen to what we are, we, people have to say. Then I came there and I met this professor and that's how it started. I started to read books, read books, read books about Ubuntu, get involved into it. And now I'm also giving training about Ubuntu. First. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You're an Ubuntu expert now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, Well, I, I, I try to be closer <laughs> to people who are all experts in Ubuntu. Like one of, like my tutor, you mm-hmm. know, Mogobi Ramose, South African philosopher okay. he has been here now for how many four five times and i've interviewed him all the time he come here i, mean, I interview him you know i'm with him so and he's somebody i really admire and uh, who really read his book and uh, I, and he helped me really to understand the concept like one of the things i asked him i said how can we go beyond the we and the them thinking we and them we always talk about we and them we and them and in the Ubuntu philosophy he said them does not exist it's only we mm. so creating that we. Like in the beginning, when I said we work in groups, we, we want to create more people to be join, to join us, to be a bigger we, you know, and um, so basically this has been my, 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 my life. Of course, I, my grandmother taught me the basic about what Ubuntu and that's what I shared also in my TEDx, mm-hmm. you know, and sharing and caring for each other. That's yeah. it, that is it. That is the underground, you know, the, the basis for Ubuntu, the sharing and caring. It.
0: I love that. Yeah. Um, so in the meantime, we're uh, taking on questions um, from people that are tuning in on uh, Facebook. Uh, Mena Ama, who is tuning in from uh, Ghana, who's saying such a great story. I've learned a lot. So he's ge- She's giving a shout out to you. Uh Astadankwa also tuned in and uh, she's giving you all the way up <laughs> and also a shout out to uh, daddy Kianji and uh, Christian Nana, who just tuned in and listened to uh, our talk with Baba Tarawali. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I am talking to Baba Tarawali uh, on uh, his journey as being a writer, a journalist, and of course his perspective on how we can change our community, how we can change our position as to um, so that we can create room to share our story and be comfortable about it. Uh, I love his outlook because I've been uh, reading about him and watching his TEDx talk, which inspired me uh, so much. But on top of it all, uh, there's some personal stuff that people would like to know. Um, Are there things about you that people tend to forget or people don't know? Uh, What is that?
1: Wow. Yeah, this is a very difficult one that people will forget. Well, I'm so an open book. (laughs) I've said so much things about myself. Sometimes I... I think I see so much. Too much. Too much. I see too much things about myself that I think if there's something which people forget is that uh, I am an activist. And I'm maybe a different type of activist. Mm-hmm. But I have been fighting the black cause since I came to Holland. Mm-hmm. Since yeah. I was in the asylum center. Fighting discrimination. Fighting racism. Mm-hmm. Fighting it when some other people were even having comfortable times, you know, not even thinking about what it means to be, to fight against Black Pete, for example.
0: Yeah. This is, something, yeah. <laughs> this is something I've
1: been doing since I came to Holland. Right. All my, in my, in my writing that I was, I used to be a columnist for one World. Most of my columns was also about Black Pete. I wrote about them in the time when we didn't even have this activism going on at this scale. So people tend to forget that, but you know, I have my own approach. And I believe that uh, you cannot force the truth in the truth of people. Yeah, it's true. You cannot force them to, to see the truth. You cannot force them to swallow it. The only thing you can do tell it in your own way. Tell your story. And don't let somebody else be the, the owner of that story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It is yours. Tell it your way. So uh, I continue to tell my story, and I've been very co- consequent. You know and uh, i will continue doing what i do because i believe that we have to speak out because if we don't speak out somebody else will speak out for us in a way that we don't like it
0: very true <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and share a story that has no relevance to your reality at all
1: yeah precisely
0: that's the danger about it um what i would also like to know because um as africans are concerned um, especially younger ones, the millennials are always yep. pushed into this corner, via doctor, lawyer, architect, uh, thing. You are a writer. You are a journalist. Um, you actually have a career based on writing your stories. Yep. So if a young person would say, you know what? I need to make money. Uh, how do I go about it? Is there any money being a journalist or writer? Um, and how do you keep, um, doing what you love in, in your type of position? How does that
1: work? Yeah. Of course, uh, all of us, most Africans, our parents want us to become pilots, doctors. <laughs> <laughs> my father wanted me to be a doctor.
0: Oh, very was, common story. It was
1: his own dream. Oh, <laughs> not my dream. That's
0: had, basically what it is. Yeah, I had a dream to be a writer, mm-hmm.
1: to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. But because journalism is very dangerous in our, in our countries, we don't hear them out. Because my father would tell me, "What? I'm paying your school fees to be a journalist, and then you be in prison? Are you crazy? Are you mad?" you know
0: why deliberately put yourself in danger
1: yeah why not be a doctor because you know Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and uh, so i went to school and i I was doing science i was mathematics chemistry all these things to be a doctor but when i came to holland i went to sleep to dream again and i dreamt that i want to be a writer and not a doctor a doctor was my father's dream Mm -hmm. so my own dream i will pursue and that is writing my stories and writing, being a journalist. So, which I've, I've done and uh, I'm still doing. I'm very happy about it because, at the end of the day, it's good to to earn money with with something you love.
0: Yeah.
1: It's the best way to be alive.
0: It's the perfect life. Yes. You know. <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh, you don't you don't you don't live to work. But you work to live. You know. Yeah. And so, I. I have done what i have to do i follow my, my heart i follow my path in life and not listening to my father to say to be Ooh. a doctor <laughs> yeah he might not be happy about but he if he's yeah it's a pity that he passed because i'm sure he will be very proud of me oh absolutely yeah and uh follow your heart so money will come money will come and for me you know I gave up that whole thing of being a millionaire, you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you left it alone. <laughs> I left it you know, to alone be, to be a millionaire. I just want to have
1: a Perhaps that also has to do with the Ubuntu philosophy, yeah. you know, and not only uh, being greedy and have everything for yourself. You know, I'm satisfied with what I have. I'm satisfied with the little things life gives to me. I'm satisfied that I can make the journey today to be here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very thankful to yeah. God that I can be. You know, I'm very healthy and I'm proud of that. That's a, and I'm very high, uh, thankful to God mm-hmm. that I can, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not having ailments, uh, sick. So these are things, be thankful for the little things in life. But, yeah. Yeah, you know, and that makes me you not know, to be somebody who thinks, okay, I have to, I never envy other people's lives mm-hmm. because you don't know how they came to that position, you know?
0: what they go through. What they went through. The if, work they put in. Yeah.
1: maybe their d- parents put in. Or. You know, there's a story about this, um, this uh, beggar on the street who sleep outside. You know, this millionaire was passing by and he saw this beggar sleeping and snoring. He was, he was very envious of this beggar sleeping and snoring because he never sleeps at night. <laughs> <laughs> and he has all the money of the world. Yeah. You know, so let's be thankful and praise yeah, the giver yeah. for, for what we are. And of course, coming back to your story of following your dream and uh, being what you want to be, I think it's all about perseverance. Mm. Perseverance conquers all difficulties, you know, and uh, do the things you you want to do and and don't be very uh, lazy in just thinking that everything will come to you. Because if you don't take initiative, nothing happens. You You cannot just lie down and sleep and just think you want to be the best footballer in the world, you want to be Messi or Ronaldo, and you don't practice; you just lie down and sleep. Yeah, that dream will never come true.
0: <laughs> Forget. Forget it. Mm-hmm.
1: So we want; we have to push,
0: mm.
1: push harder. You know, and sometimes when you push harder at a certain time, you don't need to do a lot; things will just happen. Yeah, but you have to create the basis. You
0: know, and invest and invest investing your time and investing your invest your energy time, energy
1: because <laughs> let's say ten thousand hours of things you have done makes yeah. you an expert. If you do everything for ten thousand hours,
0: that makes you an expert. Yeah, that's about ten years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You do the same thing ten years, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you're an expert. But make sure you have something to do.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, and that's the funniest thing we grumble about Dutch people being uh, expert on Ghana, expert on this. But these are people who really took one thing and say, "I want to be an expert on Ghana, Mm -hmm. on your country, or expert on serial." Sometimes I see them on television, expert on Africa, a Dutch man. African music is an expert. Hmm. <laughs> and we, and we, we'll be grumbling. But they don't call us because we abuse you with a lot of things. Yeah. You know? Jack of all trade, a master of none. So if you want to be a master, at least, you know, try yeah. to, to get focused. And that's what I did because I'm master of, I'm, I'm, I'm Jack of all trade. And I, at a certain time, I said, uh, writing should be my core business. No, Writing yeah. should
0: be my core business. And then everything is around it. Everything's the, around the it. The core is always the focus.
1: The core is the focus because I, 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 they ask me to be public speaker and uh, to give training to give all has to do with my books i with
0: your books yeah that is my core I love that
1: and the rest will come
0: yeah I love that
1: you know I don't get money with my books well a, a bit but I get money on the things around it the
0: training the training speaking. I give the
1: speaking public speaker and uh, you know uh, writing some articles you know, all has to do like I'm now a columnist for for trial,
0: mm-hmm.
1: one of the biggest Dutch newspapers. It purely has to do with the books I have written. Yeah. You know? If not, they'll never call me to be a columnist. Mm-hmm. So that is my core business. So I spend seventy-five percent of my time on my core business. The rest I do, like sitting here. <laughs> talking, <laughs> talking to you and talking to my <laughs> African brothers and sisters. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's just a small part of it. you I know?
0: love it. I love it. I think it goes back to like if we have to go out the way we think creating opportunities for ourselves is really much to, to focus 75% of your time on your core yeah. on, on what you do and um, also accept the fact that maybe th- that thing which you're focusing on because had it been only a book that's your focus you wouldn't think that all the, the other things around it would create money <laughs> for you, yep, true. create opportunities or a network or being a columnist yep. or something like that. So I think it goes back to like having a broad way of thinking, basically getting out of your comfort zone. and uh, sometimes accept that uh, moving in groups (laughs) might not be always the case. No, 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 no. Uh, On that. I love that. And I think we've really had a good conversation uh, for people out there that are uh, being a writer or journalist or feel they have a story that could be of good value. um, They have a good idea as to how to continue, Mm -hmm. uh, I feel. And I feel that your story is a great example of... um, not sitting down and crying, maybe you shed a few, t- a few tears, uh, but at the same time you're getting up, you're taking the action to learn from the world around you mm-hmm. and use that to, um, to communicate your story yeah. and not lose it, not put it down, not forget about it. Uh, and I love that.
1: And also to add to that, you know, I give training to migrants who come to Holland mm-hmm. and who are strongly to find their way. Yeah. One of the things I tell them is that don't allow people to label you. Mm. You're not an asylum seeker. Yeah. You have a name, you have a dream. You know, don't let people say you are an asylum seeker the whole time. You accept that. When white people go to Africa, they are experts. Mm-hmm. You
0: know? Yeah.
1: When we come here, we're
0: migrants. <laughs> no, That's, simple, simple, a, simple. Good That's yeah. a good one. That's a good one. Yeah,
1: experts. They, they they sell themselves as people who come to give knowledge. To, they, they, are, they, are, they, are, they have expertise. Yeah. And while we come here, we are migrants, we are coming to, you know.
0: Yeah, so it's or all, asylum seekers. Yeah, asylum seekers where... you know,
1: they, all, they have all these labels. So it's the narrative. How do you sell yourself? Mm-hmm. How do you present yourself?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so I think we all have to find our unique selling point.
0: You know,
1: if it takes you to sell your country, tourism or whatever, do it.
0: Like the lady you talked about.
1: Yeah. Sell your country. Sell your culture. (laughs)
0: You know what?
1: Stand for something.
0: Stand for something, yeah. If
1: you don't stand for something, you stand for everything.
0: Got it. Got it. On that note, it was so great talking to you, having you on the show. I feel like we could go on for another hour, but um, uh, they're giving me a signal that uh, I need to wrap it up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you have any shout-outs or some last motivating words? to our African brothers and sisters, young, motivated, and would like to take on the path as you do. Uh, what final words do you have for them?
1: If you want to do something, don't let anybody tell you
0: mm-hmm.
1: you cannot. You cannot make it. Yeah. If your conscience conscious tells you you can, mm-hmm. then you can. And when you start something, perseverance
0: mm-hmm.
1: is all you need continue like writing
0: yeah
1: you have to finish it Uh you cannot say halfway then you stop you start something you have to finish it you start to write you have that determination to write write and finish what you want to write you know then all because at the end of the day when you finish your story you have people who who come on board to help you Uh you know like in holland we don't have the american dream in holland
0: (laughs) no we don't no they're way too down to earth for that (laughs) no you know
1: if you have talent. You cannot lean back and sleep and you think they come and sponsor you.
0: Oh, absolutely not.
1: You know? Yeah. In places like the States and other countries, they will say, oh, this person has a talent, basketball, you know. Here is a
0: scholarship. Yeah, scholarship, scholarship. (laughs)
1: They discovered him. In Holland, you are not discovered. No, you're not. (laughs) You will never be discovered. You'll
0: never. So you have to prove
1: that you can. And then when you are getting success, many will come to push you to get more success. But not when you just sit down. You're starting out. No. no, Or talent in the making. Yes, you have to fight it out, fight it out, fight it out. At the end, the universe will help to push you to make a bigger success.
0: I love that. (laughs) On that note, uh, Baba, I would really like to thank you for coming uh, here to Amsterdam, to the High Radio Studios. And um, watch out for the podcast of this episode because it will also come out on uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes where you can listen to Africa on Focus the Podcast to uh, catch a glimpse or glimpses of the recap of this show. Uh, Last shout out to a couple of listeners who showed some love on the timeline. Ben Kofi, shout out to you. I hope you spend Mother's Day all well. And all of you who listened and tuned in, who didn't drop a comment, uh, make sure that you spread the word on this inspirational talk that really inspired me in my art, in my journey as to uh, taking on whatever I'm taking on. Definitely uh, inspired me so much. Uh, And shout out to you. Thank you for tuning in with me here on Africa Unfocused. We're going to be coming back, of course, as we always do on Sunday evening to uh, talk about our successes and how we can help us uh ourselves achieve some more